0: Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody? Excellent. You guys sound good this morning? Uh, It's good to be here. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up. We're going to jump right in uh, to the book of Genesis, Old Testament book of Genesis. Chris, can you just turn me down? Am I in the monitors here? Can you just turn me down to that, You don't? All right. Book of Genesis, we're going to be in chapters 8 and 9 this morning. We're continuing in our series that we kicked off at the beginning of the year, Genesis 8 and 9. Again, I just remind you that our messages from week to week do not build on each other. So if you missed a week, you're not going to be out of the loop, uh, but you are always more than welcome to go to our website, uh, chesterchristian.org, and you can listen to all of our sermons online. And so I would encourage you to do that if you've missed any of them. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in the row in front of you or somewhere in the seat. And that's going to be on page 8, 9, or 10, somewhere there in in the book of Genesis. And if you don't have a Bible, you don't own a Bible, feel free to take that Bible. That is our gift to you. Again, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 8 and 9. I will not read the entire text. (laughs) So we will be jumping around here this morning, but I am going to start in chapter 8, verse 1. And the words will be on the screen for you as well, so feel free to follow along. I am reading from the ESV, English Standard Version. So let's jump right in here. Chapter 8, verse 1. We're on this side of the flood now. All right. So last week we saw the flood narrative. This week we're on this side of the flood. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark, And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. Jump down to verse 13 with me. In the 600th and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. Jump down to verse 18 with me. I told you we'd be jumping down here. So, So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon every thing that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea, and to your hands they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood, and to your lifeblood I will require a reckoning from every beast, I will require it and from man." From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you. Become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Jump down to verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Pray with me. Father God, we again thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to continue to worship you through your word. God, we are just in awe of you, and we pray, Father, that you will just continue to move in this place. God, I pray that as we exalt your son Jesus in this place, that we will see Him for who He is, and how beautiful He is, and what He has done for us, and that we will see ourselves for who we are in light of that. And I pray, Father, that we will see our need for Jesus. God, I thank You for Your grace and mercy, it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So one of my favorite hymns growing up in the church is a hymn, Standing on the Promises. Anybody familiar with that that hymn? A lot of you are, all right, Standing on the Promises. I thought about busting it out in song for you this morning. I'm not going to do that for you, I will spare you, but it goes, standing, standing, standing on the promises of Christ my Savior, stand, okay, maybe I'll lie, I will sing it, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Now the song was written by Russell Carter, who came to Christ as a teenager after struggling with his faith. And the point of the song is is that whatever you are facing in this life you can be assured of God's promises. If you're facing health problems, if you're facing financial struggles as we have been praying already this morning. If you are facing relational struggles. Maybe you're just tired and overwhelmed. I know I was talking to my wife this past week and we both just said, "Man, we're just tired." <laughs> where it's just exhausted. I don't know if you're going through a time like that, but that, that, that's, or maybe you're discouraged, or maybe you're going through depression. Listen, this song that Russell Carter wrote, Standing on the Promises of God, is a reminder to do just that, to stand on the promises of God. I, I love one line in the song. It says, standing on the promises, I cannot fall listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. I mean, what a powerful line that is, because you think about this. How often do I talk about this with you, right? We we go through difficult situations in our life. We're struggling from week to week. And how often do we listen to those voices in our head that want to beat us up? How often do we listen to that voice in our head that tells us, "Man, what are you doing? You, you're you're not. You, you should be ashamed. You should be. You should feel guilty." Right? And we just kind of get even further and further down in the dumps, don't we? And we listen to those voices, and we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt God's faithfulness. We begin to doubt God's love for us. And so, I, I want to simply encourage you this morning. From this passage of scripture that we read about God's faithfulness, about God's promises. Because it's about his His commitment to you and his creation. It's about God's unconditional love for us. It's about standing on the promises of God. See, the reality is we've seen God's faithfulness already. Uh, and, and him, him keeping his promises throughout this whole flood narrative. As we began in the beginning of the flood narrative, we we see God's faithfulness in keeping his promises. Because if you remember, God made a promise in Genesis chapter three, as man and woman sinned and rebelled against God. God said that there is going to be an offspring, a seed that's going to come from the woman. And that offspring, that seed, is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so God, we see his faithfulness in this flood narrative because by showing Noah and his family grace, God is preserving that seed. He is being faithful to that promise. And as we close out this section on the flood narrative today, we continue to see God's promises. We continue to see his faithfulness and his relentless love towards us. And this is what I really want you to see today. That regardless of how you walked in here today, regardless of what you are facing in life, the challenges, the difficulties, the struggles, the voices in your head, I just want to encourage you this morning to stand firm on the promises of God. And so I want you to see three things this morning, okay? You can write this down if you're keeping an outline. The first thing we're going to look at is God cares. God cares. Secondly, we're going to see God's faithfulness, His covenant faithfulness. And then third, we're going to see God's commitment not only to us, but his commitment to his holiness. His commitment to us and his commitment to his holiness, we're going to see God's unconditional, unconditional love. So chapter 8, verse 1, man, we see probably two of the absolute most beautiful words in Scripture. And it's the very first two words in chapter 8, but God. God. I'm going to tell you, any time you see those two words in the Scripture, you need to take notice. Because it means that God is about to act. He is about to to do something. It reminds me a lot of the passage in Ephesians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite passages. We have it on the screen for you. Go ahead, Lacey, and put that on there. All right, Ephesians chapter 2 says, uh, That's all right, it says, And you were dead talking to us, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What are those two words? But God. Being rich In mercy, because of not just his love, but his great love with which he loved us. Right? He sends Jesus Christ. And you see that right here. God moves, God takes the initiative, He acts. In our text in Genesis that we just read, we see that the water is beginning to subside. Noah and his family, I want you to think about this for a second. Noah and his family were on the ark for about a year. I don't know if you realize it or not, give or take a few days. Uh, but, but can you imagine? Like, so say, say you have a family that says they're going to come visit you, and normally family stays for about a couple days, right? Can you imagine your family staying with you for a year? And you can leave the house. They're on a boat with animals that probably by this time smell. Listen, when I was growing up, I worked. Uh, I lived in a farming community, and so I worked uh, on a lot of farms, and I shoveled a lot of a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> and I, it was out in the open, and it smelled. I can't imagine what they went through, right? But, but it says, and they're, 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 they're there. The, the, and think about this. They're the only ones left on the earth. So you can imagine just how quiet it is. And they're floating around, and it says, but God remembered Noah. You see, God does not forget his promises. He's not like our kids who you have to, I've learned over the years that you have to give them one command at a time, right? Do this first, and once you've done that, if you give them multiple commands, they won't do any of it because they'll forget it all, right? Listen, as adults, as adults, do we not forget, right? So, so here's the thing, right? We, we forget, but God does not forget. God is not so caught up in wiping out the world that he's like, oh, yeah, Noah, I forgot, you know, it's not, it's not like that. No, God remembers. And listen, that word remembers is a special word. It, express, it expresses concern. Concern for Noah, or it means to, to visit Noah with gracious love. Church, do you know this morning that God is concerned for you? Do you believe that? Do you, do you know? I know there are times, man, that, that God feels distant. Listen, I'm I'm reading in my, my Bible plan on You Version uh, through the book of Job. And just this morning, I was reading where Job is just questioning God. God, where are you? Right? Do you? Do you ever do that? I know we do. I know we question Him, right? But God is closer than you think, He is engaged. This is so beautiful because it shows us that God is not distant from His creation. He does not create things and just stand back and just let it go. But God is involved. He cares. He is concerned. He cares for His children. He cares for us. God fulfills His promises. He cares. That's the first thing we see. We also see that God is faithful. And two things I want to show you through this is is first that God is faithful because we see in this text God reaffirming man's purpose on this earth. So if you were with us in the very beginning, you remember back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that God created man and woman, and he gave them the mandate to fill the earth, to make little Adams and little Eves that would glorify God. And then he gives them dominion over the earth, and he says, I want you to subdue it so that the whole purpose of of creation was that everything that we do would bring honor and glory to God so that God would be glorified constantly. However, because of the fall in Genesis 3, everything got out of whack. You see, because of sin, because of rebellion, we then began to rob God of his glory. Rather than pointing to God, rather than glorifying God, we say, you know what, we're going to steal that glory from God and we're going to abuse God's creation. And so everything is broken. But but you see the language here in chapter 9 is very similar to the language in chapters 1 and 2. We still have the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, which means we still have the mandate to, to make kids and to point them to Jesus. Right, that, that's, that's, what we, that's our purpose. When we have kids, our purpose is to, to raise them up in the Lord and to point them to Jesus so that they will live lives that glorify Jesus. God. But I also want you to notice that our relationship now with the animal world has changed. God has put fear and dread in animals towards humans, and we see animosity between man and the animal world. No longer does the lion now lay down with the lamb, because if they did, the lion would eat the lamb, right? One commentator said that the large animals, by reason of their great numbers and superior strength, could soon have gained upper Uh, An upper hand on man. So you see God's graciousness in this, right? If he did not put that fear of man in animals, we might be in trouble, right? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? Man's power over animals was also enlarged in that he was allowed to kill and eat animal flesh. The one prohibition in this is not to eat the flesh with the blood because the blood is the life of the animal. And then we see that 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 moves on into the value of human life. In verse 5, God says, your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. Verse 6, he says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Now oftentimes this verse here is used to support capital punishment. A lot of governments have capital punishment. And I'm not here to debate whether or not you agree or disagree with that, because I think if we do, then we miss the point of what God is trying to tell us, and I think the point is the last part of verse 6, which is God made man in his own image. That's the part we need to hang on to. Let's not concern ourselves about this whole capital punishment reckoning. God's the one who says, I will reckon, right? We need to focus on that we are made in the image of God, that we are image bearers and therefore we are to glorify God in all that we do. And so God, by reaffirming man's purpose, is giving us, I want you to see this, this is very important, he is giving us our marching orders in a sense. This is almost like the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And the reason this is important for us to understand and the reason for us to focus on this is that every single human being Regardless of race, rich or poor, young or old, people with disabilities, every single person has value and worth because they bear the image of God. And this is the reason, as followers of Jesus, we get involved with injustice. This this is the reason. This This is why... We go to the margins of society, the places where people don't go. This is the reason why we go to those who are outcasts. Listen to me, it's not just, there are lots of people who are not Christians who do lots of good things, who do lots of social justice things, and they do great, some of them do better than Christians, but listen to me, this is our purpose. Our purpose is not just to make the world a greater place. It's not just to change the culture. Yes, listen to me, we want to change the culture, but, but the problem is, is for so long we have gone about doing it the wrong way. We think changing the culture means becoming a part of the culture, and what's happened is as Christians is if we look an awful lot like the culture. They've changed us, right? So how do we change the culture? How do we do that, right? How do we get to the point where people are glorifying God with their lives? We do it by making much of Jesus in our lives. We do it by reaching people with the gospel, right? Does that sound familiar? That's our purpose here at Chester Christian Church, to make much of Jesus by reaching people with the gospel, Right? Discipling people with the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news that God loves us and sent Jesus to die in our place. We do it by making disciples. Right? We do it so people will glorify God with their lives. That is the original purpose in Genesis 1 and 2. And this is what God is telling us. Man is made in God's image. This is our purpose, to glorify God. And so we do that as we move out from this place, as we go into our neighborhoods, as we go into our communities, as we go into our workplaces. We are making much of Jesus, right? And we are sharing His love with others. Secondly, we see in this that God is faithful, and that He makes a covenant with Noah. God makes a promise in eight chapter eight, verse twenty-one, that He will never again curse the ground because of man. Now. That does not take away from the curse in Genesis chapter 3. It simply means that God will not destroy the earth with a flood again. And notice in verse 22, it says, while the earth remains. In other words, this earth has a shelf life. There is coming a day when God will send Jesus back to this earth for his church, for his bride. And there will be another judgment for those who are outside of Christ. Okay, so he says, while the earth remains, sea time, harvest, cold, summer, winter, it will not be interrupted. Now, I want to talk just a minute about this, this idea of covenant. And we're going to talk more about covenants as we get to, we get to Abraham in a few weeks. But, but covenants play an important role through the Bible. I mean, they play a, a huge role throughout the Bible. As a matter of fact, the uh, old, old covenant, new covenant, new, we, we call it New Testament, uh, old, Te- old Testament. But, but as you move throughout the Old Testament, you see God entering into covenant relationships with individuals and with groups of people. He moves into a covenant with Abraham, with King David, with Israel, God's chosen people. And the purpose of those covenants is for uh, that God makes with his people is to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill his promise of redemption, of bringing Jesus into the world. Now, covenants are sometimes explained as a contract or a, a partnership, and I like, that, I like that explanation. It is a partnership or an agreement between two parties, but that really doesn't take uh, it far enough when we talk about biblical covenants. Because biblical covenants, covenants between God and man, are usually one-sided. Because God is really the only one who keeps his end of the bargain, <laughs> God is the one who puts his own integrity on the line. God is the one who fixes the terms and conditions. And then what he does is he binds himself to that covenant. In other words, when God says he's going to do it, God's going to do it. God's going to do it, okay? And you see that God is the one who is making these promises. And as you read through the Old Testament and you see these different covenants, you see that time after time after time, we fail. We fail. And it's not until Jesus Christ comes onto the scene that Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills all of our end of the covenants. Because Jesus Christ is the faithful one. Right? God is keeps his promises. And what's interesting about this covenant with Noah is that there aren't even any stipulations. I mean there's none. This covenant is all about grace. It's all about, it's all, it's all of God. God is making the promises that even in the midst of of sinful man he will not wipe out the earth again with a flood. You basically say that 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 God is God is faithful even when we're not. God is faithful even when we're not. God keeps his promises. And so this covenant isn't just with Noah. We read it in verses 9 10, and 11, 9, 10, and 16. I mean, it is with Noah. It is with every beast, every creature. It is even with the earth. Just, and the sign of God's covenant is the rainbow, or, or the bow is what it says. And, and I'll just mention this to you. There, there's a lot of commentators who kind of touch on this. The, the actual word there is bow. And when you look it up in the in the Greek, it, it does talk about it being more of a war warriors type of bow. And so a lot of commentators uh, say that you know that God, if you notice the rainbow is is pointed up to heaven. And so a lot of people make this 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 idea out there that, that, that God is never going to destroy the earth again with the flood, and so he's pointing the rainbow up towards heaven. He's gonna shoot his arrows, his war bow towards Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, just, I, I just mention that to you. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily support that. But, but anyways, every time you see, the point is, the, the point I want to get across to you is this, that every time you see a rainbow, God is reminded. God is reminded. God is reminded. Not that God needs reminding, okay? Just, just clarify that. But the Scripture says that God is reminded of his promise to never destroy the earth with a flood again. But listen, it's also a reminder to us. Of God's faithfulness. When do we typically see rainbows? Yeah. It's either during a storm or after a storm. Right? The sun pops out from the clouds and you see this beautiful reminder of God's promises even in the midst of storms. Now listen, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to get cheeseball on you this morning, but I am going to get cheeseball on you this morning, okay? <laughs> listen. Take comfort this morning in knowing that whatever storm of life that you are going through, that God is faithful. God keeps his promises. He cares for you. Amen? Do you believe that? Stand on the promises. Finally, we see God's commitment to us and to his own holiness. I want you to see God's unconditional love. Here. So let me ask a question. What went into the ark with Noah? This is an opportunity for you to participate. Go ahead. What, what, Andrew, what went in the ark with Noah? Very good. What else? Food, birds. What else? Family. Anything else you can think of? Wild animals, domesticated animals. I'll tell you what else went in the ark with Noah. Noah's sin went into the ark with Noah. We see in 821, this is after the flood, man's heart is still wicked. Things have not gotten any better with God wiping out humanity. And we see it in in chapter 9, verse 20. Noah, who plants a vineyard, and drinks some wine and pretty much gets hammered, right? And it says that Ham saw his father's nakedness. Now listen, I, I, I've read a lot of different things, and people have lots of different opinions on what actually happened here, and I'm not going to go into detail. You can research that yourself, but it doesn't sound like it was a good thing, what Ham did here. Uh, that, that, that term when it says nakedness, just look it up in Leviticus, and you see, maybe what might have took place there, okay? It was not a good thing. Basically, Ham violates his father in some way, shape, or form. All right, but the point is that it does not take long for sin to spread throughout the world again. And this is, listen to me, our greatest problem is that our hearts are so wicked and evil. I, I was talking to my buddy, we had the opportunity, if you're wondering about our shirts this morning, I meant to say this earlier. We went uh, to the preteen convention this past weekend—third, fourth, and fifth graders—and uh, the, the theme was slime time. ooze God's love—it was pretty cool. We had a lot of good times. But I was—I was talking with my my good friend. Uh, he was there with his church. Uh, my friend who we grew up together. He's my accountability. We talk every single week on the phone. But but we we were talking, and, and and for some reason it came up, and I said, you know, I said I think the biggest issue for people. You know, we hear about the gospel. We hear that God loves us. We hear all these things. And I think it just becomes like, oh yeah, God loves me. And I told him, I said, I think the biggest hurdle, the biggest issue for people, not understanding the, the depth of the, or, or grasping the, the, the God's love for us and what this means for us is because we don't understand just how dirty our hearts are. We don't really look at ourselves beneath the surface of our hearts we don't think about the things in our mind uh, that, that that are like wow that that's really really bad we don't think about our motives and why we 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 don't realize oh, i'm a good person i'm a good person and i think that's why we don't necessarily grasp like this is god's love this is amazing that god loves us unconditionally and so this is our problem man that that we are sinners and that God is holy and just. And our sin separates us from God. We're lost. So what does God do about it? He shows his commitment to us and his commitment to his holiness. He shows us his unconditional love. Look at chapter 8, verse 20. It says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. So this burnt offering that you see Noah offering up to God is the basis for God's covenant promises. These offerings were an act of worship on Noah's part in response to God's grace and mercy, right? Salvation through judgment. We talked about that last week. It shows us God's commitment and his unconditional love. Now, hang with me for a second, okay? Just go ahead and pull up Leviticus chapter 1, and I want you to follow along with me as I read this says, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. By the way, Leviticus is after Genesis. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Moses is the author of the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so Moses is is writing all of this. and, And this is Leviticus 1. This comes after Noah. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any... One of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall, here it is, this is a key phrase, he shall lay his hand. On the head of the burnt offering. It's amazing that Dan Koch shared. I was sitting there in my seat, and I was like, Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, I mean that's a, like, everything he shared in that community, I was like, that is exactly what we're talking about right here. Like the, 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 and Dan and I didn't talk. Right? Shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement. That's a big word right there. Atonement. Right? It's symbolic of how the animal is taking the place of the person. Right? And then jump down to verse 9, real quick, Lacey. We're going to skip the rest of that and jump down to verse 9. And skip that first half there. Uh, a food offering with what? A pleasing aroma to the Lord. Man, what's that? This This is what's going on right here in Genesis 8. As Noah is offering this burnt offering, an offering of atonement, these animals are being offered up in Noah's place. That word atonement in Leviticus means propitiation. That's an important word. That's a word that we should learn and memorize and study, propitiation. It's it's, it's a beautiful word that means to appease God's wrath. You see, God's holy and man is sinful, and therefore man deserves the righteous wrath of God. Because of our rebellion and sin against God, we deserve the righteous wrath of God. God is just. If he did not punish for sin, he would not be a just God. Right? And this sacrifice that Noah offers, right here in Genesis chapter 8, the very first of this kind of sacrifice, Would be the first offering in a long, long, long line of bloody sacrifices that ultimately culminate on the cross with Jesus. See, on the cross, Jesus, who is perfect without blemish, takes our place and then he pays the penalty for our sins. God's wrath towards us is taken away because it was poured out on Jesus in our place. Write down Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26. Is that that verse on there? It's not. I don't have it written down in my notes either. But I'm going to read it to you because it's an important verse. Romans chapter 3. Listen to this. Starting in verse 23, "...for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus." Verse 25, "...whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins." See, this is God's commitment not only to us, but this is God's commitment to his holiness. This is God's unconditional love. This is the good news of the gospel. That through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can be forgiven. We can experience new life. We can experience transformation. God wants to give us a new heart with new desires to live for him, right? That's a promise. That's a promise that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, that your sins are forgiven. That is a promise. Jesus is the remedy for sin. Have you done that? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? After the service, our prayer team is going to be up here. I'm going to be standing up here. I would love to chat with you about what that means. I would love to to, to be able to stand here and and take your confession of faith that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I would love to take you over here in this baptistry and just not hold you under, but dunk you and then bring you back up. I would love for you to walk out of here experiencing new life. Forgiveness. Man, if you're here this morning and you just need prayer, as we've already prayed. As Charlie, as we've prayed together corporately as a church body. I know, I know, man, there are people here that are hurting, that are going through difficult times. Our prayer team is here. They want to encourage you. They want to pray with you. And I want to invite you after our service to come forward and experience that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, For all... For all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. If those promises find their yes in Jesus, then those promises are no anywhere else. If the promise is, I will save you from your sins, you can experience new life and forgiveness. That promise is only found in Jesus. It's not found anywhere else. It's not found in yourself. You cannot be good enough. It is not found in your career, in your job, in your family. It is not found in anything in this world. It is only found in Jesus Christ. God's ability to sustain you in times of trouble and difficulty, finds its yes in Jesus Christ. This is why we cling to Jesus. This is why we pursue Jesus. This is why we exalt Jesus. This is why we make much of Jesus. Because all of God's promises find their yes in Jesus. Are you standing on the promises of God? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your care. God, we thank you for your covenant promises. God, I pray this morning that as we leave here, we would just stand on those promises, God, that we would not listen to those voices, that we would not listen to anything else, God, but we would be in your word and that we would hear from you and we would listen to those things, God, that we would know who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are your child, that we are loved unconditionally. Father, I pray that that would then just spur us on to, to enter into our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our, um, our area, God, and just, just share this love with others. God, may we leave here changed and transformed. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. To If you can know it, yeah, go for it. Let's all stand together. Let's sing this song. If you know the song, Standing on the Promises, just sing that chorus a couple times through. It would be a great way to end this service, don't you think? Sing it. We're standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God